Shalom, shalom. Shalom to everyone who's joining. Shalom, shalom. If anyone can give me a thumbs up or if they can let me know if they can hear me. If everything is all good. Amen. Praise God, praise God. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Shalom to everyone who's joining. If you can share, if you can copy the link and share with others to be able to receive tonight. Amen. Praise God. Amen. Amen. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Praise God. Shalom to everyone, including my mom who's joining and watching. Shalom, Ubrakot. Amen. Praise God. It's already 8.05, so we're going to begin in prayer. Make sure to share. Copy the link and share with others. Amen. And then we will continue with the announcements and start with tonight's Torah portion. Amen. Blessed be the name of the Lord. We praise and we glorify your holy name, my God. We thank you, O Lord. We thank you for this time, my God, and this privilege, O Lord, that we have, my God, to be able to come before your presence, my God, the privilege that we have, my God, to be able to come before your throne room, O Lord, and to just come with a thankful heart, my God, to come with thanksgiving, O Lord. At your feet, my God, we want to have a Father lay everything down, my God, because many times, O Lord, we try to carry, my God, Lord, a lot on us, my God, O oh Lord, and we try, we try to take control over so many things, my God, but Abba Father, you are the one that's in control over all, my God. On this night, O oh Lord, I want to specifically pray, my God, Lord, for those who are sick, my God. We pray, my God, Lord, that you may extend your healing hand, O oh Lord, right now in this moment, my God, for those who are sick, O oh Lord. And we pray, my God, Lord, restoration in this night, my God. I pray, my God, that you may extend your healing hand upon those, my God, Lord, who are in need of healing right now in this moment, my God, that you may pour your fresh oil upon them, my God, from the top of their heads to the soles of their feet, my God. And we pray and declare on this evening, O oh Lord, that there is restoration in their bodies, my God. That, Abba Father, there is restoration, my God, over every area, O oh Lord, every area, my God, Lord, in their bodies, my God, that needs healing, my God, in this moment, O oh Lord. We know, my God, that you are our healer, O oh Lord. We know, my God, that your word says that by your stripes we are healed, my God. Abba, Father, we thank you, O Lord. Those, my God, who are connected right now in this moment, if you are in need of healing, place your hand on the area where it needs healing. And we pray and declare, my God, that may Yeshua HaMashiach, may he extend his hand right now in this moment. And in that area where you are in need of healing, may he heal you in Yeshua's name, according to what his word says, O Lord. Thank you, my God, for your word. Thank you, my God, for your promises, O oh Lord. Thank you, my God, because your word is alive and true, my God. That when we speak your word upon us, my God, Lord, Abba Father, we can we can feel your presence, my God, Lord. Abba Father, right now, my God, connected, O oh Lord. Your presence is here, my God. Thank you, my God, Lord. 
Thank you, my God, for where there's two or more gathered in your name, my God. You are there and you are present, my God. Thank you, my God, because you incline your ears, my God, to the prayers of the righteous, O Lord. And on this day, my God, we uplift, my God, Lord, of a Father, prayers to you, my God, for those who are in need, my God, for those, my God, O Lord, who are battling through something, O Lord, for those who are going through a specific trial, my God. We pray, O Lord, right now in this moment, my God, for those who are in need of you, O Lord. We bless and we glorify your holy name, my God. We worship you, O Lord. We thank you, my God, for this floral portion, O Lord. Abba Father, we give everything to you, my God. Because, Abba Father, we are just your servants, my God, and we just want to be used by you. Blessed be the name of the Lord. In Yeshua's name we pray. Amen and amen. Shalom, shalom to everyone who's joining. Praise God. Thank you. Thank you for joining. Make sure to... to, to uh, Get on, click on the link and to be able to share it with others. On the announcements for tonight, as we usually give, we have our, our Torah portions every single Thursday at 8 p.m. And we're uh, streaming it live through YouTube. We are trying to grow our YouTube page in One Spirit Miami. Um, every, every Thursday at 8 p.m., we bring a portion of the Torah. We, get, we have the opportunity to be able to study together. We have the opportunity to be able to to read the word together and to be filled, amen. We have our Sabbath services at 11 a.m. every single Saturday, and we go live also on YouTube at 11.30 a.m. If you don't have a place to congregate, you are more than welcome to be able to join us. Right on the screen, in the screen below, you will be able to see um, the address to our congregation, and you can visit us in the Hialeah area. Um, another announcement that I want to present is that we have prayer. Twice a week we have prayer. We have Tuesdays at 5 a.m. Prayer to come and gather together to be able to, uh, to elevate to our, our God and our King prayers and petitions, as well as Friday evenings at 8 p.m. is our Sabbath prayer, and you are more welcome to be able to join. For those who, are, who want to join, you know, you can always let us know. So like that, we can give you of the information to the Zoom calls, because it's Zoom calls when we gather for our prayer. Another announcement that we want to give is that November 6th, so not this upcoming Sabbath, but the following Sabbath, we will be serving our community. We will be serving our community. This is such a blessing to be able to do, to be able to serve others who are in need. We have been gathering a lot of shoes. We want to be able to gather, you know, clothing and hygiene products to be able to give to those who are in need because we are called to be able to show hospitality. Amen. And that's going to be one of the main topics of what we're going to be talking about tonight, hospitality. Amen. And then also don't forget about our podcast. Our podcast has been such a blessing that we have um, different platforms to be able to um, to present our podcast and especially one of the biggest um, platforms that we have. So we have the Apple podcast, we have Google podcast, we have Spotify, but we also have radio public. We have breaker, we have anchor. So if um, you're not able to be, to see the YouTube videos, to see the videos on Facebook um, and you're driving, you know, on your way to work, or maybe you're working out at the gym, you know, you can always, you know, put on your, your earphones and you or you can connect to any of these platforms to be able to hear all of our teachings, all of our, our Sabbath teachings and all of our Torah teachings as well. 
Torah portions teachings. Amen. So those are the announcements. Praise God. So tonight we will be covering the fourth Torah portion because we already started a new cycle. So this is Torah portion number four. And this portion is called Vayera. Vayera. Amen. And Vayera means, and he appeared. Usually a lot of times the titles for the Torah portion would be basically like the first word or the first phrase of that specific chapter. So in this particular Torah portion, and he appeared, you will see that it would be in the beginning of um, the Torah portion. So this Torah portion covers Genesis chapter 18, or if you want to uh, know in Hebrew, it's Bereshit, Bereshit chapter 18, verse 1, and it goes all the way to chapter 22, verse 24. So this Torah portion consists of five chapters. Of course, we will not be going through all five chapters, but in your study time, you can go over them. Today, we'll be going over chapter 18 and a portion of chapter 19, the Haftarah or in the prophets, and you will see it under the screen as well, would be 2 Kings chapter 4, verse 1 through 37. And then you have the Brit Hadashah, or the new covenant would be in the book of James chapter 2, verse 14 through 24. Amen. So in last week's Torah portion, we learned about Abraham, or Abram, which is his previous name, and it was switched um, later to, to Abraham. He had left everything behind. He had left everything behind and he had responded to the promise of the divine inheritance of Yahweh, of what Yahweh was going to give him. Amen. So when we look back into the life of Abram, we see, because um, there's several books that I that I use to be able to study um, in my Torah portions, and I've shown this book uh, before. Um, I'm going to show you a couple of what I go through. I have um, this specific book, this book, and then also this one as well to be able to study my, my portions. But tonight I will be using the book of Joshua. So I am going to be quoting a lot on this book, okay? And if you don't have this book, you can always go online. And the other books that I showed as well, all those are available on Amazon. So tonight I will be quoting a lot on the book of Jasher. The book of Jasher has actually been mentioned um, on, on several um, books in the Bible. It was mentioned in the book of Joshua. It was also mentioned in the book of 2 Samuel and also 2 Timothy. So you can always go back um, to that. So I will be quoting a lot, like I said, on the book of Jasher. And when we look back on the life of Abram and when we see in the book of ja in the Jasher, we, we're going to see a lot. Okay, so a little bit of histories. Um, Abraham's father, his name was Terah. Okay, Abraham's father was named Terah. And Terah, he was, he was to be set as one of Nimrod's uh, prince. And we know that Nimrod, he did evil in the sight of the Lord. He wasn't, he wasn't following in the ways of the Lord. So in Nimrod's kingdom, Terah was placed as a prince. He was dignified and said to be above all the princes so he was above he wasn't just a regular prince he wasn't just a standard prince he was above all the other princes that were set in his kingdom and as i said nimrod he did not walk in the ways of the lord and he was more wicked than all 
um, the men that were there, all the men that were before him. He made God, gods out of wood. He made gods out of stone. And he bowed down to every single one of them. Because remember, they didn't only just have one God. They served several gods. He rebelled against the Lord. And he taught all of his subjects and the people of the earth to do these wicked things and to follow these wicked ways. And he had a son, Nimrod had a son and his son was named Marden. And his son was, did even more evil. So if Nimrod did evil and he was the most evil man, one of the most evil men in the world, then his son did way worse than he did. So he, he uh, outdid his dad, in other words, when it came to evil things. So we see here that if um, Nimrod had, had taught all of his subjects and everybody in his kingdom to follow the wicked ways, remember, Terah was right there. He was above all the princes. So he, he was following the wicked ways as well. So he followed those wicked ways and he served those pagan gods. And one of the things that it mentions about Terah is that he had made, with his own hands, he had made a god for every month. So within the year in the Greek calendar, we have 12 months within the year. So he had a God for every single month. So once there was a month that was, um, um, that would come to an end, then he would go to the next God and he would serve that God and so on and so forth. So it was a God per month that he had. Um, then Tara had taken a wife Tara's uh, wife was named Amthelo, Amthelo, and she conceived and bore a son, and his name was Abram. When we look back into the book of chap uh, into the book of Jasher, so Jasher also is broken down into chapters. So Jasher chapter eight, we see that um, that night that um, Abram was born, all the servants of Terah. All the servants of Terah had gathered together. So all the wise men of, of Nimrod had also gathered together uh, the conjurers. So conjurers are basically um, sorcerers, those who were magicians um, or who would do um, of such. Um, they gathered together as a feast because Abram was born. So they were, um, they were having a feast together with Terah and his family because of the birth of his son Abram. So once the whole feast, the feasting had commenced, you know, once the whole feasting was done, then um, all the, the wise men and the sorcerers, they were getting ready to leave. So just like how, you know, how we do nowadays that, you know, that we come together, we got it together, you know, we had our time together as friends and families and stuff like that. And then we're standing by the door saying our goodbyes. And sometimes our goodbyes are supposed to be for one moment and it lasts like maybe for another hour or so, and we continue saying goodbye, right? Because that's how we are, especially Hispanics. Um, so we have the wise men and the conjurers and the sorcerers that they're there, you know, saying their goodbyes because the feasting was done. And then once they do that, you know, they lift their eyes, you know, up to the heavens. So once they look to the heavens, they're seeing the stars um, in the heavens and they're gazing to the stars. But then there was something that they noticed. And one thing that they noticed is that there was a great star. There was a great star in the sky when they saw it. And this was when Abram was born. So when we go to Joshua chapter 8, we see that it says, 
it says, Behold, one very large star came from the east and ran in the heavens, and he swallowed up the four stars from the four sides of the heavens. And all the wise men of the king and his conjurers were astonished at the sight, and the sages understood this matter, and they knew its import. And they said to each other, this only betokens the child that has been born to Terah this night, who will grow up, listen to this, who will grow up and be fruitful and multiply and possess all the earth, he and his children forever. And he and his seed will slay the great kings and inherit their lands. So these were the wise men of Nimrod and the conjurers of Nimrod. So remember, they were walking in wicked ways. They, they, when they see the stars, you know, they say all the, the things that they say, that it's not of God and things like that. But then here, look what they said about what at this moment when Abraham was born and when they saw the stars in the sky. So they said here that he would grow up to be, to be fruitful and to multiply and possess all the earth. And he and his children and his children forever, and he and his seed will slay great kings and inherit their lands. Wow. So the wise men saw all that had occurred, and in fear of losing their lives, they ensured to let the king know and not keep it to themselves. Once the wise men gave Nimrod the interpretation of what they saw on the stars, they advised Nimrod to offer Terah silver and gold for the life of his son. When Nimrod brought this before Terah's attention, Terah spoke a parable to Nimrod, which vexed him and caused him great anger. So he was annoyed with what they were saying, with what Terah was saying, the parable that he had given him. Because, of course, Terah, Terah did not want to give up his son. Terah did not want to give up Abram. He did not want money for it. So Nimrod gave him a proposition and said that he would give him three days. He would give him three days. and after the third day he would need to make a decision and and give him abram so of course Terah did not want to do this so the third day came so what Terah ended up doing was he 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 gave the son or the newborn of a mage servant so there was a a, a newborn who was born in that specific moment and he ended up taking that newborn and giving it to Nimrod in place of Abram. So it wasn't really Abram. He kept Abram hidden and and um, Nimrod did not know. So once um, Nimrod took the baby, of course, he ended up he ended up killing the baby, thinking that it was Abram. And what Terah ended up doing was that he um, secretly took Abram. This is what the book of Joshua says. You won't see um, these details specifically in the Bible, but um, Terah ended up taking Abram and he took his mother and the nurse um, and he kept them in a cave. He kept them in a cave secretly without Nimrod knowing. And in the midst of that time that they were hidden in the cave, Terah ensured to provide them monthly with everything that they needed. So we see here how God from the beginning of Abram's life had a plan and a purpose. Even though he lived amongst or lived in a household of, of a father who served other gods, and I'm sure his mother also as well, 
but God had a plan and a purpose for Abram, just like for all of us. When, you know, maybe we were born in a household, I had the privilege to be born in a household who served God, but many don't have that privilege to be able to be born in a household that serves God. Maybe that you were born in a household who didn't um, serve God, and maybe you serve um, other gods or maybe other images and things like that. But, but God has a plan and a purpose for you, just like how God had a plan and a purpose for Abram. Amen. So let's go um, into, that was just a little background of, of Abram. So let's go into tonight's Torah portion. So we'll be starting in Genesis 18. Amen. Genesis 18, verse 1. you have your Bibles, Genesis 18, verse 1. Shalom, shalom to everyone who's joining. And if anyone can type in the chat for me, um, all the chapters and, and um, the verses of what we're going to be going through tonight. Amen. So Genesis 18, verse 1 says, Then Adonai appeared to him at Mamre's large trees, while he was sitting in the entrance of his tent during the heat of the day. So the chapter prior, we know that Abram and his household had performed the circumcision, or in Hebrew, the Brit Milah. Okay, Brit Milah. Abraham was 99 years old when he made this covenant with the Lord. 99 years old. In verse 1 of chapter 18, Abraham was sitting by the door of his tent. He was sitting by the door of his tent in the heat of the day. So just a little, a little nugget. When, when you look into the Hebrew letters, if you like studying the Hebrew letters, remember the Hebrew letters consist of a numerical value and not only a numerical value, but it has a pictograph or a, a, an image of what um, it may look like. So when we see that it's that he's sitting in the door of his tent, when we see door um, in the Hebrew letter is the letter Dalit. So Dalit is door. And then we have the Dalit or the definition of a Dalit means entrance or pathway. So he's sitting at the door. So he's sitting at the entrance of his tent. So that's a, the picture or an image of the letter Dalit. Amen. And then we have the picture of a tent would be the letter bet. Okay, bet. So the numerical value for Dalit would be four, and then the numerical value of bet would be two. So the bet, just uh, the definition of it, it just literally means tent or house. Tent or house. So that's just a little, a little something for, for you guys. Amen. And then when we look at the word the heat of day, the heat of day it usually means the hottest point of the day. So he was sitting at the, at the door of his tent in the hottest point of the day. And it is said, or scientifically, it is said that the hottest point of the day is between 3 and 4 in the afternoon. So he was sitting there in the heat of day. So by seeing this action of Abram, sitting at the door of his tent, he was showing an action. So some may say, he was like, no, he was just sitting at the door of his tent. He wasn't doing anything. He's just sitting there, right? 
but we have to look further. We have to see more, okay? So he was sitting at the door of his tent. He was showing an action. So what action was he showing? The action that he was showing is that he was waiting for someone. But who could he be waiting for? He's like sitting, you know, in the midst of probably like the wilderness or the desert or a valley. And he's just, you know, sitting there where he pitched his tent, you know? Who is he going to be waiting for? You know, he's he's at a far distance from, you know, the cities that are there. Who's going to be coming by? So he was, his action was that he was sitting, waiting. And this type of action, when you're sitting, when you're sitting at the door or the entrance of, of your tent, let's say like you, you, you put in perspective that you're sitting in, in, in a tent, is that you are waiting to show hospitality. So remember, that was a, a word that I had mentioned before, that this was going to be the main topic of this Torah portion, is that his actions were showing hospitality. He was waiting for any traveler that would walk by and that he would provide anything that they would need. And that's not something that's very common nowadays because nowadays a lot of people are, are, are selfish, right? Many times, you know, people can just walk by a person who's, who's homeless or who, who doesn't have anything and, 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 it's not, and it doesn't really hit them in any kind of way. They just continue, you know, their life, you know, because they're busy or they have stuff that they need to do and things like that. And then yet they just pass by, you know, a person that's in need. But we need to show hospitality. So how many of us truly practice hospitality? How many of us truly practice hospitality? and not expect anything in return. Because many times we quote unquote practice hospitality, but it's because we want something in return. And what could that something be? Oh, you know, let me post this video on on uh, Facebook or, or on Instagram because I, I want everybody to see what I'm doing and I wanna make sure, you know, I get all, you know, these likes and I wanna make sure that everybody sees that, oh yeah, that I'm a good person and that I'm giving to the poor and that I'm doing this and that I'm doing that. You know, when we show hospitality, we don't need to show the world because, you know, our Abba Father, he sees everything that we do and he sees when we provide, you know, for others, he sees, you know, the, 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 the action, you know, of our heart, you know, and the intention of, of why we do the things that we do. Amen. So when Abraham or Abraham was sitting at the, at the door of his tent, it was the third day of his Brit Milah. Okay. And it is said that the third day of the Brit Milah is the most painful for men. So he was sitting there, and even though he was waiting for a traveler to come by to be able to help him or her, he wasn't thinking about the pain that he was going through. What he was thinking about is that he, what can he do to be able to help others? What can he do to be able to help someone else who is in need? And, that, and that's something that we need to meditate on because many times we're so focused on, on how we're feeling you know, and what we're going through and the things that, 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 that has happened to us. But then what about our neighbor? You know, have we ever taken the time 
you know, to, to be able to ask our neighbor just something so simple as how are you? How has your day been? Is there anything that you need? That's not very common nowadays, and especially with everything that's going on, because the evil that's going on around us at the moment, and I'm not going to say the, the specific thing, but it's causing division amongst the people. It is causing division amongst the people because they are they are putting titles. They are titling this person to be this and this person to be this. And if you don't have this, then you need to keep your distance away from me. So they're causing division amongst the people when this is a time where we should be, you know, even closer together and to help each other out, those who are in need. Amen. So Abraham was on the third day of his Brit Milah, which is the most painful time of the Brit Milah, but he was ready to be able to serve others. So let's continue reading. We're going to read verses two through eight. Amen. When he lifted up his eyes to see, suddenly three men were standing right by him. When he saw them, he ran from the entrance of his tent to meet them and bowed down to the ground. Then he said, my Lord, if now I have found favor in your eyes, please do not pass by your servant. Please let a little water be brought so you can wash your feet. Let's pause there right quick. Why is that important? Please, you know, he wanted to offer a little water for them. So in those times, because we are very privileged in the times that we are living in, they did not have the shoes that we have, okay? They did not have the Jordans. They did not have the Nikes. They did not have the stilettos. They did not have all the comforts that we have. They did not have. So basically, they would walk with sandals or anything that, that was in sandal form. So imagine, you know, you're traveling through the desert. You're traveling through the wilderness. You know, your feet are going to become very, very dirty, right? So the first thing that he offers them is, let me offer you water for your feet. Because he wanted them to be able to wash their feet, to be able to clean their feet. Amen. So wash your feet and make yourselves comfortable under the tree. Because remember, they they were at, he was at the point of the of the hottest day. Remember the heat of day. So it is the most you know at the time the most uh, hot of the of the day. Okay. So let's continue reading. Verse five. And let me bring a bit of bread so that you can refresh yourselves. Then you can pass on since you have passed by your servant. They said, do as you have said. So Abraham hurried into the, into the tent to Sarah and said, quick, knead three measures of fine flour and prepare bread loaves. Then to the herd, uh, then to the herd, Abraham ran and took a young ox, tender and good. And he gave it to the, to the servant who prepared it quickly. Then he took butter and milk and the young ox that he had prepared and set it before them. While he was standing by them under the tree, they ate. So you see here, Abraham wasn't even thinking about the pain that he was in. You can, you can see about three times it mentions here, Abraham went quickly. Abraham ran. 
He ran to get the ox. He ran to go tell Sarah this or to tell the servant this. So he was at he was at all times, you know, moving because he wanted to be able to serve these three men that had appeared to him. Okay, so this we're going to see here. We see something very interesting in verse six through seven, how fine flour. So it wasn't just any flour. It says fine flour needed to be used to prepare the bread and a young ox was to be prepared. The butter, milk, and the young ox was set before them, and they ate that day. When we turn to the book of Leviticus, chapter 7, we see it mentions different offerings, one of which is called the peace offering or fellowship offering in the TLV version. So let's turn to the book of Leviticus, Chapter 7, verse 11 through 15. Leviticus, chapter 7, verse 11 through 15. And you're going to see some similarities here of what we just read. We're going to see it here in Leviticus. So Leviticus, chapter 11, verse 15. And it says, Now this is the Torah of the sacrifice of fellowship offerings, or in other versions, peace offering which which may be offered to Adonai which may be offered to Adonai if he brings it for a thanksgiving then he is to present with the sacrifice of thanksgiving matzah cakes mixed with oil matzah wafers Mixed with oil, matzah wafers, anointed with oil, and fine flour cakes. Fine flour. It was used fine flour. Cakes mixed with oil. He is to present his offerings with the sacrifice of his fellowship offerings for Thanksgiving, along with cakes of bread with hummets. From each, he is to offer one out of every offering as a gift to Adonai. It will belong to the Kohen who sprinkles the blood of the fellowship offerings, the meat of the sacrifice of his fellowship offerings for thanksgiving is to be eaten on the day of his offering. So it should be eaten that same day. He is not to leave any of it until the morning. Amen. So we see some similarities there. Okay. So we see in the, in the Hebrew, we have shilamim, so S-H apostrophe L-A-M-I-M. Shilamim means it's variously translated either to peace offering, to shared offering, fellowship offering, or well-being offering, okay? So shilamim is variously translated to peace offering, to shared offering, fellowship offering or well-being offering generally thought generally thought have been derived from the verb to make peace okay it's been derived from the verb to make peace or possibly from to repay so it's from the verb either to make uh, to make peace or to repay okay in the hebrew thought peace we see the word peace indicated uh completeness of well-being and harmony 
also. It doesn't only mean the absence of war, but it also means completeness and well-being and harmony. Amen. So this was an expression of gratitude for well-being and for the fellowship that can exist between man and God. This is what this, this offering was about. So now when we see here, because the 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 rabbis or the orthodox jews they take this they have a law that they are not to mix dairy with meat okay that they have this law that they follow that they are not to mix dairy with meat and they get this from exodus chapter 23 verse 19 and they get it from deuteronomy chapter 14 21 this is a rabbinic law and it's a rabbinic tradition but we see here Right? Because Abraham, he followed in the ways of the Lord. He followed the instructions of the Lord. Okay, So we see here that Abraham is presenting to these men, to these angelic beings, he's presenting to them milk, dairy products, because it also mentions butter, and, he, and, and the meat. He's presenting this to them for them to eat, for them to eat it that day. So, so we see here that this rabbinic tradition is clearly a misinterpretation when we read exodus 23 when we read exodus and deuteronomy chapter 14 this is a misinterpretation so what was exact what was it exactly saying so exodus 23 let's turn really quick to exodus 23 verse 19. Twenty-three, nineteen, and it says it says bring the choicest of first fruits of your land into the house of Adonai your God but then it says here do not boil a kid in its mother's milk do not boil a kid in its mother's milk so they misinterpreted that completely because when, when when God is and Adonai is specifically saying, do not boil a kid in its mother's milk because this was a, a cultic thing that the pagans would do. So that so there, there's a reason why that God said this because many times God would point out uh, many 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 things for us not to do, and it's because the pagans would practice such things, and He would tell us not to do it. But the rabbinic tradition has taken this literal and has misinterpreted because we clearly see here what abram is offering to these angelic beings so the way that they have interpreted is wrong so what what um adonai is basically telling us for is for us not to follow the cultic behaviors or the cultic practices of what they would do with their gods okay so let's go back to Genesis 18, and we'll continue reading from 9 through 15. Okay. And it says, Then they said to him, Where is Sarah, your wife? And Abram says, There in the tent, he said. Then he said, I will most surely return to you in about a year's time. Surprisingly, Sarah, your wife, will have a son. So all this is being said after he showed hospitality to these angelic beings. Because imagine if he didn't show hospitality. Imagine if he, was, if he wasn't there sitting at the tent door expectant. 
you know, expectant to show, you know, his hospitality to others, to serve others. And if he would have just let them walk by, imagine that, then he wouldn't have heard these words that were being spoken here right now in this verse, if he wouldn't have shown hospitality. But let's continue reading. And it says, Sarah was listening at the entrance of the tent. You, you, you know how some of us, some of us, uh, us women are that if we if we hear our name being said by someone, you you kind of want to extend your ear, you know, have a, like a little salary or something coming out of your ear because you want you want to be able to hear what it is that they're talking about you because you heard your name. So right here, Sarah was listening to see because she said, "Oh, you know, these guys mentioned my name. You know, what, what should they be? You know, what are they talking about?" So Sarah was listening at the entrance. So she was at the entrance of the tent, okay, which was behind him. Him in capital in capital letters. Now Abraham and Sarah were old, advanced in years. Sarah had stopped having the way of women. So Sarah laughed to herself. So right here, she was acting in the flesh. Because if she, if she would have been thinking in the spirit, then she would have connected, wow, this is something that was already mentioned before. This was a promise that was mentioned to us already before. And now it is being confirmed. So I receive it. But right here, she's laughing. So she's like, no, nah, you know, there's, you know, uh, unbelief. That can't happen to me, right? So let's continue reading. So Sarah laughed to herself saying, after I've grown decrepit and I have, can I have desire? Can I have desire and my Lord so old? Then Adonai said to Abraham, why is it that Sarah laughed? Saying, can I really give birth when I am so old? Verse 14, is anything too difficult for Adonai? So that's a question that we have to ask ourselves when we're in the midst of, you know, what we're going through and, and any issue that you may be going through, anything that you may be confronting. This is a question right here that you need to ask in the midst of it. Is anything too difficult for Adonai? Is anything too difficult for Adonai? Is it too difficult for Adonai to restore you? Is it too difficult for Adonai to heal you? Is it too difficult for Adonai to make all things new? Is it too difficult? Of course not. It's not too difficult. That miracle that you're waiting for, it's not too difficult. But what makes it difficult is when we don't trust in him. What makes it difficult is when we're not patient in the waiting. That's what makes it difficult. But it says it here. Is anything too difficult for Adonai? At the appointed time, I will return to you in about a year, and Sarah will have a son. Sarah denied it, saying, I didn't laugh. I'm sure she was nervous because, you know, once it, once somebody points something out of you, you're like, oh, you know, I, I, I didn't do that. So she's like, I didn't laugh, for she was afraid. But he said, no, for you did laugh. So we see here how great God is. How great God is because he meets us right where we're at. He meets us right where we're at. 
Abraham amid his physical pain and both Sarah and Abraham longing for the promise of having a child, Adonai comes to them right where they're at. Right where they're at. In the book of Jasher, we saw, we can see, you know, whenever you have the opportunity, you can, you can go online and you can order this book. But in the book of Jasher, it mentions this, that they wanted to kill. They wanted to kill Abram because of the great purpose that he had in his life. Because Nimrod didn't want anybody surpassing or going above him because it says there that he, that Abraham would be great and he, and he would, you know, go away with, you know, any king that 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 was um in existence so nimrod didn't like you know didn't like that because he was the king over all the earth at that time but he was afraid and, and he wanted to kill him so when abraham was in the cave with his mother and the nurse he was in that cave for 10 years so basically his his you know you know from from his time of when he was a newborn so he was 10 years old he was there in the cave. And afterwards, after he came out of that cave, he started learning the instructions of Yahweh. And the Lord was with him every single step of the way. Every single step of the way. So when we follow the instructions of Yahweh and are obedient to his commands and make covenant with him, he will meet you right where you're at. Because many times, and this is a, a misconception, and, and, and we've been through that at times, that we, we say what we're accustomed to say in church. You know, God God is there with me. God is, God is going to do this for me. God is going to do that for me. But we miss something very important, and that is obedience. Obedience to his commands. Following his ordained feast day. The appointed times, the, the Moadims. So, you know, we're just too busy thinking about, yeah, God can bless me. God can do this for me. God can do that for me. But it says that for those who love, yeah, for those who love Adonai, they follow his commands. So when we follow his instructions and obey his commands and make covenant with him, he meets us where we're at. And this is something that Abraham and Sarah would do. They were following in the ways of the Lord. They knew the instructions of the Lord. They knew the Torah. And even in the midst of their old age, even in the midst of them, you know, desiring and wanting to have a child, and then in the midst of the pain that Abraham was going through, Adonai, Yahweh, meets them right where they're at. When we go to the book of John, chapter 14, verse 21, it says, He who has my commandments and keeps them is the one who loves me so it doesn't say yeah you you know you love me you know you know because you say it you know verbatim and you love me this and you love me that no what's the first thing that it says in john 14 21 it says he who has my commandments and keeps them so not only that you have the commandments but you have to keep those commandments is the one who loves me he who loves me will be loved by my father and I will love him and reveal myself to him. 
and reveal myself to him. So that's what we see here with Abraham. He followed in his ways. He kept the commandments. So, and, and he was showing hospitality because that's, that's an example that we see in Yeshua. He was showing hospitality. Then it says, he who loves me will be loved by my father and I will love him and he will reveal himself to him. When we are generous and hospitable, we demonstrate God's character with those who are around us. And when we don't reflect this, we are literally demonstrating the character of the enemy. James chapter 1 verse 17 says, Every good and every perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of lights, with whom there is no variation or shifting shadow. So every good gift comes from him. When we see, we saw that Sarah laughed because she was, you know, she didn't believe that it was possible that at her age, she can have a child. By her laughing, she wasn't seeing what this angel had said through her spiritual eyes. She was seeing everything through the mindset of a, of a human. And how many of us have done that? How many of us we've smirked or we've laughed you know, or, and make comments like, that can't happen. That will never happen to me. We've made comments like that because we, we don't believe that it could happen. But then what does it say in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 7? It says that, for we walk by faith and not by sight. We walk by faith and not by sight. Abraham probably would have not known what the angels were going to do if Abraham was not hospitable to them and opened his doors to them. Amen. So let's continue reading. Chapter 18, we're going to continue reading verse 16 through 21. And it says, Then the men got up from there and looked down over Sodom. Abraham was walking with them to send them off. So he wasn't just going to let them go by themselves. He walked with them. He walked with them to send them out. When Adonai said, Should I keep secret from Abraham what I am about to do? Seeing that Abraham will most certainly become a great and mighty nation, and in him all the nations of the earth will be blessed. For I have made myself known to him. Wow, it says it right there. And we just read that. We just read that where in John 14, 21, for I have made myself known to him so that he will command his sons and his household after him to keep the way of Adonai by doing righteousness and justice so that Adonai may bring upon Abraham what he has spoken about him. And Adonai said, the outcry against Sodom and Gomorrah is great. Indeed, and there is, and their sin is very grievous. Indeed, I want to go down now and see if they deserve destruction, as its outcry has come to me. And if not, I will know. When we look at in the Hebrew, the 
the definition of Sodom or Sodom is flaming or burnt. The definition of Sodom or Sodom is flaming or burnt. And the verb of Sodom is Shadad. S-H-A-D-A-D. Shadad. And Shadad means to deal violently with, ruin, or destroy. And then when we look at the word Gomorrah, it means tyrannical dealings. Tyrannical dealings. When we look back to Genesis uh, chapter 13, Lot was granted the opportunity. He was granted the opportunity of where to reside. Because he had, you know, a lot of sheep, a lot of cattle. He had his tents. And just like today, that we have the opportunity to choose. God gives us free will to be able to choose. We can choose to live for God, or we can choose to live our lives for the things of this world. We can choose to follow the world, or we can choose to follow what's or what's streaming on, on social media and what others are doing. Lot had the opportunity to choose what was right, but he was led to what his physical eyes saw. He was led according to the flesh. He decided to reside by Sodom and Gomorrah. So he decided to reside close to the temptation. He decided to reside close to the things of this world. And that's the problem that we face today. Instead of running from the temptation, we run to it. We stay close to it. And later blame God or others for them falling. We must be as Joseph and run from temptation and not look back. If you're struggling with addictions, don't go to the place that provides what's causing your addiction. If you struggle to watch unholy things, block the website that calls you to fall. If you struggle with gossip, walk away from the people you surround yourself with. The journey can be a lonely one sometimes. But if you surround yourself with people of the faith, then you will be uplifted in your faith. If you surround yourself with people who intercede and pray, you will also be one who will intercede and pray. Stop and meditate on the choices that you have made or are about to make. Are they pleasing to God? Is it aligned to his word and what he commands? So this is something for us to think about. Let's continue reading. Verse 22 through 23. And it says, Then the men turned from there and went toward Sodom. But Abraham was still standing before Adonai. Abraham drew near. So if you, if you remember that verse that it says, that if you draw near to me, I will draw near to you. So Abraham drew near and said, 
will you really sweep away the righteous with the wicked? So we see here that the people of Sodom and Gomorrah did so much evil in the eyes of Adonai. So let's continue reading. Suppose there are 50 righteous within the city. Will you really sweep away and not spare the place for the sake of 50 righteous who are in it? Far be it from you to do such a thing, to cause the righteous to die with the wicked, so that the righteous and the wicked share the same fate. Far be it from you. Shall the judge of the whole world not exercise justice? Then Adonai said, If I find in Sodom 50 righteous people within the city, I will spare the whole place for their sake. Then Abraham answered and said, Look, pray, I have decided to speak to my Lord, though I am dust and ashes. Suppose the 50 righteous people are lacking five. Will you destroy the whole city for the lack of five? And he said, I will not destroy it if I find 45 there. So he spoke to him yet again and said, perhaps 40 will be found there. And he said, I will not do it for the sake of the 40. Then he said, please let my Lord not be angry so I may speak. Perhaps 30 will be found there. And he said, I will not do it if I find 30 there. Then he said, look, pray. I have decided to speak to my Lord. Perhaps 20 will be found there. And he said, I will not destroy it for the sake of the 20. Then he said, please let not my Lord be angry so I may speak once more. Perhaps 10 will be found there. And he said, I will not destroy it for the sake of the 10. Now, when he finished speaking to Abraham, Adonai left and Abraham returned to his place. I, w I would have been nervous, you know, during that time, you know, just asking, you know, so many questions and just going back and forth with God. So let's continue. So we will jump into, I know I'm already starting to get past my time, but I'm almost done. So let's continue reading. We're going to go into chapter 19. And it says, now the, now the two angels came to Sodom in the evening while Lot was sitting at the gate of Sodom. So it shows here, because when we read in, in the prior chapters, in chapter 13, it says that he resided by Sodom. So now it says here that he is sitting at the gate of Sodom. And we've learned before that those who sit at the gate would be the judge or one of the judges of the city. So he, he got to the point of not only just being outside of Sodom, but also living within Sodom. And then being at the gate of Sodom to become one of the judges of Sodom, such an evil city. So look to the point of where one's choices can lead. When you're close to the temptation, look, look, look what happens with the choices that you make. So he was sitting at the gate of Sodom. When Lot saw them, so the two angels that were coming, when Lot saw them, he got up to meet them and bowed down with his face to the ground. So the same thing that Abraham did. Then he said, here, please, my lords, please turn aside to your servant's house, spend the night and wash your feet. So the same thing. Then you can get up early and go on your way. But they said, no, we will spend the night in the open plaza. But he urged them strongly. 
So they turned aside to him and they came into his house. He prepared a feast for them and baked matzot and they ate. They had not yet lain down when the men of the city, the men of Sodom, surrounded the house from the from from youth to elderly, all the people without exception. And they called out to Lot and said to him, where are the men who came to you tonight? Bring them out to us so that we can have relations with them. But Lot went out to them at the doorway and shut the door behind them and said, Please, my brother, don't act wickedly. Look, I have two daughters who haven't been intimate with a man. Please let me bring them out to you. Do to them whatever, whatever is good in your eyes. However, do nothing to these men since they have come under the protection of my roof. So we see here that in Sodom and Gomorrah, we're, we're accustomed to, to um, knowing or learning that, you know, the main, one of the main sins was homosexuality, right? Because we see it here in these verses. But there was so much more than just homosexuality that they had committed. We see here that, and this we can all, like I said, that we can go back into the book of Jasher because a lot, a lot of what I'm saying, I'm quoting it also from the, the book of Jasher. So when people in the in the city of Sodom and Gomorrah, if they would show, if they said they showed they they showed hospitality to those who would travel by the city. So this was something that that Abraham was accustomed to doing and Lot because he did it as well. But whoever would try in Sodom to show hospitality, whoever would show ki- any any type of kindness to the poor, they would be brought to the judge and they would be killed. So hospitality was basically, you know, um, a form of sin, you can say, um, to Sodom and Gomorrah. If you were to defend one who was weak, you would be struck with a stone and would not, and, and you would have to pay money to the person who struck you. So if, if, if somebody from Sodom and Gomorrah would come and attack you, they would hit you with a stone, then right then and there, they would ask you to pay up because you owe them money. That was part of their 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 law or their tradition there um if if money was given to someone who was poor the city would not offer or permit him to buy any food so so they would act quote unquote kind and offer the poor money but then when it was time for the poor to go buy himself maybe a loaf of bread they would deny it to him if he would want to go buy something that he needed they would deny it to him and they would let him die. They wouldn't offer him any food. Even if he had the money, they would let him die of hunger. And the city would go and take away the money that was given to him. So we see. Let's continue reading. It says here, verse 9. Get out of the way, they said. And they said, this, this one came as an outsider and dares to judge. So they're calling Lot an outsider. Okay. Now we'll treat you worse than them. So they strongly pressed against the man, Lot, and moved in close to break the door down. But the men reached out their hands, brought Lot into the house with them, and shut the door. Then they struck the men at the doorway of the house with blindness, from youth to elderly, so that they gave up trying to find the doorway. Then the men said to Lot, Who else related to you is still here? A son-in-law, your sons and your daughters, Whoever else is related to you in the city, bring them out of the 
place. So we see here that it wasn't just only Lot, his wife, and the two daughters. You know, there was more. So that's the reason why Abraham counted all the way down to 10. So it was 50, 45, 40, 30, 20, and 10. He didn't go lower than 10. He didn't say 5. He didn't say 3, 2, 1. So there was a reason why Abraham, when he interceded, he stopped at 10. And it was because of Lot and all of his family. Okay. So we see here, by God's mercy and grace, because many times people say that in the Old Covenant, or they call it the Old Testament, we don't see God's grace. We don't see God's mercy. We just see this, this image of God who's, who's, who's strong and, and, and who's, you know, who doesn't look so loving and things like that. But we see here, we see here God's mercy and grace upon Lot. We see that Adonai inclined his ear to Abraham's intercession for Lot. We see that. So as I said, you know, even though he counted down 50, 45, 40, 30, 20, 10, righteous. But let's continue reading. For we are about to destroy this place because their outcry has become so great before Adonai that Adonai has sent us to destroy it. So even though he stopped at 10 and it said that Adonai would not destroy it because of the 10 righteous. But we see here that the angel said that, that he was telling Lot he needed to leave because they were going to destroy the city. So what does this mean? That his family was not righteous because Lot was the only righteous one. Lot was the only righteous one. So though he was found to be the righteous one and God in his mercy and grace spared the life of Lot. Though he made the wrong decision in living in such a sinful city, Lot was found righteous by God. He showed hospitality to the angels because remember he was sitting at the gate of the city and he showed hospitality to the angels that came to destroy the city. And he heard the warning and left to the city prior to its destruction. So let's continue reading. So Lot went out and spoke to his son-in-law who were going to marry his daughter. Get up, he said, get out of this place for Adonai is about to destroy the city. But in the eyes of his son-in-laws, he was like a joker. So when morning dawned, the angels rushed Lot saying, get up, take your wife and your two daughters who are here, or else you will be swept away with the city's iniquity. But he hesitated. He hesitated. So the men grabbed his hand. So this is the mercy of God. It's like, you're hesitating, but guess what? I'm going to grab you right now. He grabbed him by his hand his wife's hand, and his two daughters' hands because of Adonai's compassion for him. Look how great his compassion is. So if anybody says that we do not see God's compassion, God's mercy, and God's grace, direct them to this verse. Direct them to this verse because it says it very clearly there that even though he hesitated, the angels grabbed him by the hand, grabbed him by the hand, because of Adonai's compassion for him. And they brought him out and left him outside the city. And that's how it is with us today. The great compassion, mercy that God has had upon us. Each and every single one of us has gone through 
you know, many things because of the choices that we have made and we have been in places that we shouldn't have been. But God grabs you by the hand. He grabbed you by the hand and he was moved with compassion and took you out from where you used to be and placed you where you're at now. He grabbed you by the hand and took you out from where you used to be, from the darkness that you used to be, from the things that you used to do, from the mindset that you used to have. In his mercy, even though many times we hesitate because we're comfortable where we're at. No, I'm good right here. Nobody's bothering me. I'm good with this type of mindset. You know, I've, I've struggled with this for so long and it's happened to, you know, my my mother or my father and it's happened to my grandparents and it's, it's a generational thing. Oh, it's, you know, I've gone through depression. It's a generational thing. I've gone through the sickness. It's a generational thing. No, it's not. No, it's not. Because Adonai in his great compassion from where you used to be, he grabbed you by the hand and he took you out. Though many times you may have hesitated, he took you out and placed you where you're at today. Amen. Verse 17. When they brought them outside, one said, flee for your life. Remember, we spoke about before how we need to run from temptation. We need to run. It's not for us to hesitate. It's not for us to stop. It's not for us to think about it. No, we need to flee. We need to run. Flee for your life. It says here, flee for your life. Do not look behind you. And do not stop anywhere in the surrounding area. Escape to the hills. Or else you'll be swept away. But Lot said to them, no, my Lord, please. So he's hesitating here. Look, please, your servant has found favor in your eyes. And you have magnified your merciful loyalty, which you have shown me by letting me live. But I can't escape to the hill country, for the disaster will overtake me and I'll die. So he's here acting in fear. Look, verse 20. Please, look, please. This city is close enough to flee there. And it's little. So so the name of this city, which we're going to read now in a couple of verses, but it specifically says here, and it's little. Please let me escape there. Isn't it small? And let me live. So he's here trying to negotiate with these angels that are telling him that you need to go. I'm grabbing you by the hand. You need to go and you need to flee and get out of here. But he's telling them, no, I cannot go to where you're sending me. Please let me go to this city. Verse 21. So he said to him, behold, I will grant your request concerning this matter too. Not to demolish the city of which you have spoken. Because Sodom and Gomorrah wasn't the only city. Sodom and Gomorrah wasn't the only city. There were surrounding cities as well that were also following in, in, in the ways that they shouldn't have gone through, in the ways that were not of the Lord. There were It was more than one city, but here it's mentioning specifically Sodom and Gomorrah. So God in his mercy permitted and granted what Lot was asking for. And that could only happen when someone is righteous. That could only happen when someone is righteous. 
So we see. So I will grant your request, verse 21, concerning this matter too, not to demolish the city of which you have spoken. Verse 22, hurry, flee to safety there, because I cannot do anything until you arrive there. So look at the mercy of God. He is giving him this time, even though he hesitated, even though he said no, even though he said, wait, you know, give me a moment, I need to explain. He said that he would not do anything until he arrived safely to where he had to go. Look how great and awesome is our God. And it says, so this is why the town is named Zoar. So Zoar means small and it means little. It also means insignificant. This city had a connection with the cities of Sodom, Gomorrah, and the cities called Adma and Zeboim. So it was more, it was, it wasn't just Sodom and Gomorrah. There was five cities there. But they ensured not to destroy Zoar because that's the place where Lot had requested to go. So this city was also supposed to be destroyed together with the others. But because of Lot's intercessions, it was spared for him to be able to escape there with his family verse 23 the moment that the moment the sun rose upon the land lot entered zoar and adonai so the moment he entered this is the moment that he entered and adonai rained sulfur and fire upon sodom and gomorrah from from adonai out of the sky so he demolished these cities, it says there, these cities, so it was more. These cities and the whole surrounding area. So it wasn't just only Sodom and Gomorrah. And the whole surrounding area. All the inhabitants of the cities and the vegetation of the ground. Verse 26. But his wife looked behind him and she turned into a pillar of salt. So she was looking back at what she left behind family members, her house, everything that she had, she looked back because that was more important to her and she turned into a pillar of salt. And of course that also has a significance, but that's like a whole another a whole nother sermon. Verse 27. Now Abraham rose early in the morning to the place where he stood before Adonai and he looked down towards Sodom and Gomorrah and toward the entire land of the surrounding area and saw behold the smoke of the land ascended like smoke from a furnace verse 29 so it was as god so it was as god destroyed the cities of the surrounding area that god remembered god remembered abraham god remembered abraham and sent lot out of the midst of the upheaval when he demolished the cities where lot had dwelt he remembered Abraham. He remembered his prayer. He remembered his intercession. It was because of Abraham. It was because of Abraham. And then we see here in verse 30 through 38, we see the incestuous act from the daughters of Lot towards their father. They feared that they would not be able to lay with a man. So they were hidden in a cave by Zoar. And they feared that they won't be able to 
um, lay with a man. But then where did they take this practice from? This type of practice, they took it from what they learned in Sodom and Gomorrah. They took it from there. They caused their father to be drunk, and the eldest laid with him first, and the next day, the youngest daughter. Each became pregnant with a son. The eldest named him Moab, which means he is from my father. And the youngest named her son Ben-Ami, which means son of my father's people. This type of act, as I said, was learned in Sodom and Gomorrah. When we look at this Torah portion, just within these two chapters, we see a lot of similarity of what's going on today. There is nothing new under the sun, and we've heard this saying many times before. Also, we've heard history repeats itself. And if we don't learn from history, we are bound to make the same mistakes over and over again. If we don't learn what the instruction says, what the Torah says, what the scripture says, we are bound to make the same mistakes over and over again. Matthew, I'm almost done. Matthew chapter 20, verse 28 says, Just as the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. Yeshua is our perfect example. We are called to serve others and place others before us. Romans chapter 12, verse 13 says, Contributing to the needs of the Kedoshim, or saints in English, Extending hospitality. So this is what we need to do. We are to extend hospitality. Titus chapter 1 verse 8 says, Rather, he must be hospitable, loving what is good, self-controlled, upright, devout, and disciplined. 1 Peter 4 9 says, Be hospitable to one, uh, one to another without grumbling. So it says here, we need to show hospitality to others, but we are not to complain in the midst of it. We are not to whine in the midst of it. We are called to pray and intercede for others before asking God to grant us our heart's desires. Ephesians chapter 6 verse 18 says, Pray in the Ruach on every occasion with all kinds of prayers and requests. With this in mind, Keep alert with perseverance and supplication for all the Kedoshim, for all the saints. First Timothy 2.1 says, Therefore, first of all, I urge that requests, prayers, intercessions, and thanksgiving be made on behalf of all people. So these verses we see here that we are to pray for others. We are to see for others. This is what Abraham did for Lot. We are not supposed to just only pray about our things, about what we desire, about our personal stuff. We need to pray for others. We need to pray for others. We are living in the times of, of Noah and Lot. We are living in the times of Noah and Lot. There is so much evil that surrounds us. But as God kept Noah and kept Lot from the destruction, um, he will also keep us as well. He will also keep us as well. But, we'll meet, but we must continually live and strive to live a life in righteousness. I mean, not to live by what we think is right, 
by how comfortable we are. No, not our conformity, not what we think, not what we like. No, we are to live a righteous life, what the word of God says. Follow the Lord's instruction and obey his 10 words. God has called us to be different and to be set apart from those who live in this world, from those who have become comfortable with the lifestyle and the traditions of man. Run from evil, flee from evil, and do what is good. Even if you are the only one, do not be ashamed and speak his truth. In the end, Yahweh will reward you. Thank you so much for joining. Shalom to each and every single one of you. I pray that you have received in the midst of this Torah portion. Be hospitable. Be an example. Yeshua is our example. Serve others. Shalom.